You posted a link to your August Jackson corporate bio, and I popped it. I made the mistake of clicking it. And it's I my realized, own, it's my wife's OnlyFans page. Hey, yeah, I mean, I mean, it was, uh, and what I wrote, I got to find what I wrote because because that was my gut reaction to it was. Your corporate presence invalidates every single wannabe punk street cred you ever thought you had. I'm going to start calling you Chad because that, my friends, is exact. If you go to David Himmel, go to August Jackson online, go to David Himmel, you will see, you will see a bad guy from a fucking John Hughes film. That's what you're going to see. You're going to see the rich bad guy kid. You're going to see what with James Spader. In fucking uh, some oh. kind of wonderful. I don't know what he was in. I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. Be advised, these apes are not emotional support animals, and they fling verbal poo. Listen with caution. I think I'm seeing a lot of similarities between the centuries here. Last century, the 1900s, and here we are in the 2000s. Huh? Yeah, 2000s. 2000s, sure. I, and I, I have this, like, I, I don't, is it a tick? You know, like just a, a, a quirk? I don't know. That I have to find, <laughs> I have to connect, like find connections where there aren't any. Not in a conspiracy sort of way. Or even like the, you know, the dorks in that do uh, Marvel movie reviews. Like, and if you go back to to the first Captain America, when Red Skull said this, does it mean this in the last episode of the Winters of uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Like, n- no, probably not. They're just they're in the same. Word. Calm the fuck down. It's not that bad. No, usually it does, but okay, I'm with you. I get it. I, I see get what you're saying. You're not, you're not going, I mean, usually it does mean something. Right. It means exactly what the nerds think it means. And I'm one of those nerds, so I get it. Yeah, I get it. And I so, mean, I, yeah, get a, I get a kick out of like, you know, like, oh, does it connect? You know, it's fun. But I, point is, I'm not, I'm not trying to reach its straws here. I just have this like, oh, it was, you know, 20 years ago today that I was half my life as old as my dad was yeah. when I was his, you know, like weird. You're Weird math. Yeah, and you're almost to the point where, and that's one of the things that uh, I read about this, and I didn't realize it was a thing until it started to happen to me, and then I went, oh, it it actually is a thing, is that when you hit a certain age, you start looking back and and replaying sort of the things in your life and finding those connections in ways. I mean, it's like like, like when I was driving through the desert, driving through New Mexico, coming to Vegas, and I suddenly realized I'm the same age as my grandpa Mm -hmm. when he moved to the desert. It's like that that, that stuff starts to... Right, it starts to matter more. Yeah, and that's a good thing. Well, I was thinking about the the Roaring Twenties thing that you ask, and I, I was thinking about that. And I think, I mean, there are definitely there are definitely some indicators that yeah, we don't learn a goddamn thing because if you well, look at the pandemic, you look at the pandemic with the Spanish flu, we had anti-vaxxers, we had anti-maskers. You know, yeah. we had, uh, you know, people, they didn't know how to handle it. And so, you know, you had certain cities that handled it very well and certain cities that completely fucked it up, mm-hmm. you know. Um, for the sake of freedom. All, for that the sake of freedom. Of or, yeah, that was a big part of it. So that is consistent um, with it. What we don't have um, 
Now, is granted, we Facebook. have been in the longest. Well, the, no, what we don't have is oh, we, we didn't don't have, have right. a world. We didn't have World War One. You know, I mean, we weren't right. You know, and that was right before but, then. We, you know, but we did have Afghanistan, which is the longest ground war in yep. the history of mankind. I think we've um, been at a divide. Well, we've been at this division point in war since probably two thousand. Uh, probably three. three. Yeah, when we yeah. Had, when we yeah. invaded Iraq. Well, but all of that. Here's what sent me down like this weird, yeah, uh, uh, worm rabbit hole of oh my god, how could, are we? You know, are we Gatsby? Should we be Gatsby right now? Was I was listening to I think probably NPR in the morning, driving Harry to uh, daycare, and they were talking about how they stumbled upon or they found this. The lost city, the lost golden city of Luxor in Egypt. Like oh. there's this huge. It's like the biggest discovery of ancient Egypt uh, since the discovery the of, 30, King, yeah. of King Tut's tomb. King Tut's tomb was uncovered in twenty two. Yeah, no, yeah, November of twenty two. Um, wow. So I like, thought it was later than that. Yeah. Yeah. So we're like a century from like. The, the last big moment in it. So this sent me like, whoa, what a, and yeah. the Spanish well, you know, flu was, and what's going, whoa. I was with you and I started, I looked it up and I was thinking, all right, so what are the similarities? Because they're definitely, the economy is mean, a big part of it too. Okay. Well, in the, in the 1920s, the, the thing that, that when people talk about the roaring 20s, when it's defined as the roaring 20s, the yeah. big thing that they're talking about was that for the first time, um, consumer culture, you know, there was a pandemic, there was pent up demand. But it really was consumer culture that catapulted the economy following the pandemic, sure. and and part of part of that was because it was it was just around the time that we had mass production of goods, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it, but it was consumer, so people were consuming more on on larger levels in this country than ever before. Mm-hmm. So that is true. Um, you know, not that we could be, I'm not sure how we could consume more than we already do, but <laughs> you know. Well, that, that's the yeah, challenge. But, that you know, that's just yeah, it. <laughs> exactly. That is the challenge. But other things that that came about that I think are interesting that came about in the the Roaring Twenties that contributed to that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see if you can find modern parallels. Okay. We had 1921, the Tulsa Race Massacre. Uh, well, I think the the last week in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Well, I, the thing about it is, in in terms of sheer numbers, uh, there were more people killed in the Tulsa race massacre in yeah. one day than have been shot by the police in two years. So it's not exactly that we're going through a massacre, but it feels like one. It, it feels like one. Be, okay, so, all right, yeah. well, we can say it. The Harlem Renaissance that uh, really ushered in what they called the jazz age. Mm-hmm. Do we have a do we have a, a 2021 parallel to the Harlem Renaissance? Ah. Uh, arguably, yeah, maybe maybe that the diversity is opening up in a more organic way finally, so uh, the marginalized people are starting to come out of the margins and their voices are being heard and there's there's a new culture forming that way, which is what's scaring the shit out of a lot of yeah, they're, you well, know, there's the old argue, guard. It's, yeah, it's arguable that in yeah. Hollywood, specifically Hollywood, and due to, a, in large part, Netflix and you mm-hmm. know, streaming, yeah. uh, but also due to a lot of protests and a lot of uh, activism, um, we are now seeing more 
black, you know, I hate using these terms because they just feel so reductive, but black and brown mm-hmm. actors, filmmakers, writers, musicians, mm-hmm. um, you know, are, are really starting to get an opportunity. I don't know if some of it, it's, I, I read, I read this really interesting review. It was interesting because I, I want to see them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the, mm-hmm. it's the, it was at the Amazon prime thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Them, but you know, but, and it's, it's a, it's a black writer. It's a black producer. It's, you know, and, and, and it's about, I, I thought it was interesting. They called it them. Cause I instantly thought it was sort of like a response to the, to us. Us. Right. You know, but I uh, thought the exact what I read, same thing. I read, I read <laughs> a couple of interviews or a couple of reviews of it that said that it's the, that, that it is an example of giving, you know, that, that, and this is bound to happen. And that's what I thought. I thought why is that a big deal? It's like, okay, so this is pretty much an entirely African American created show. Mm-hmm. And it, and, and according to them, it sucks and it's a fetishization of black rage and pain. Right. And, you know, I mean, all this kind of stuff. And it's like, all right, let's watch, let's watch the Negroes in 1950 suddenly become racially beaten down in every possible way. And mm-hmm. we'll use that as entertainment. And there is an argument to be made that I think is is relevant to that. Mm-hmm. Well, my concept was, you know, when I read that, my first thought was like, why is that a big deal? Because the more people of any race or any class that gets to do something, the more bad ones, the ones that aren't going to do it well, are going to come to, you know, it's just the way it's going to work. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, Heaven's Gate you know, may or may or may not had anything to do with the fact that Michael Cimino was white, but the point is it didn't work. And sometimes that's how it's going to work. All right. So what about, all right, we had in the twenties prohibition and the rise of the mafia. Any, any modern parallels Uh, that you see? Well, they're loosening the, I mean, the drug war is dying. So we're losing. So that's where that's something that's not happening is that prohibition is now because part of the jazz age and part of the Roaring Twenties yeah. was mm-hmm. the fact that alcohol was illegal, so everybody was finding you know illegal ways to drink. Yep. Yep. In fact, I read I read one of my favorite things I saw when I was looking this stuff up. They had a they, they this this wine company stopped selling wine because it was illegal to sell wine. Yeah. So they were selling cubes grape juice cubes and on the grape juice cubes i mean they were bricks they were like the size of a brick like frozen basically um yeah yeah and basically you would mix the brick with like a gallon of water to make grape juice except it explicitly said this one i think is funny on the label it said warning do not leave this sitting in a closet for, I mean, I'm just paraphrase it, <laughs> sit in a closet for 20 days because it will turn into wine. So basically it was wine making kits. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. That's and hilarious. So there is no prohibition. Um, so what about the rise of the mafia? Do we have a new mafioso, a new, a new organized crime syndicate coming along or? Yeah. I, I wouldn't call them organized. Uh, I mean, it feels like you know, and I I don't have much of a of a close up close and personal experience with the mafia, other than maybe my uncle Marvin, who I never met because he was dead before. I've, we've, I've told this story, I think. Yeah, but yeah, you've talked about anyway. Marvin. But what I know of the mafia, thanks to is you know all straight from Martin Scorsese films, basically mm-hmm. <laughs> Mar- yeah. Mario Puzo and right. Which if you look at Mean Sopranos, Street, it doesn't yeah. seem to organized at all. But if you look at Goodfellas, it looks incredibly organized. So like I would say that the mafia now, you know, the the muscle. 
wannabe muscle, I guess. Proud Boys, the QAnon theorists, you know, the the the, the pretend GI Joes, Boogaloo um, Boys, the Boogaloo yeah. Boys, yeah. But they don't seem to be like they're scary in the crazy sort of way, but not scary in the scary sort of way. The way that like the mafia, you know, where you think they like you and then you're fucking. Captain well, that's because yeah, that's because the mafia had a certain they had a, there was certain a charm and a about char- them. Yeah. Well, there's a charm about them, and there was a you know, code. They wore suits. They didn't wear fucking t-shirts and and maga hats. <laughs> so, so my mom was right. My mom was yeah, right. My, but the way you dress does little, better. And, yes. Yeah. The thing about it is, if the Italian Americans of the 1920s, uh, <laughs> if Al Capone <laughs> was in a fucking wife beater t-shirt and a goddamn maga cap. No, he would never have been Al Capone. Carrying well, his I tell you what, band, it's just never if Al Capone been. had been in charge of the Capitol insurrection on January 6th, they would have it fucking would have taken succeeded. the Capitol. No shit. All right. Additionally, in the 20s, and now this I think is interesting. I didn't realize this happened in the Roaring 20s, and when I read it, I went, oh, wow, we are right in, in there. The Scopes monkey trial. That happened in the Roaring 20s. Really? And that was, yeah, right. That was the same, and so it was. Hang it was on. this huge. It, it was this huge national thing, where it was science. Nineteen twenty-five. You're right. Yeah. Versus okay. versus religion. So it was science versus religion, or I would argue superstition, and everything that you're seeing with the climate debate. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so you know, the economy. It is the the, the pandemic. It's science. Yep. In, in sort of a direct refutation of superstition and religion and sort of a, I would say, a secular religious addiction to misinterpreting the Constitution. <laughs> I would say that is, that is kind yeah. of a cult mine. Mm-hmm. Um, a secular religious misinterpretation of race relations and the way it works in this country. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of superstition going on and science is trying to battle it. And that, you know, so that... Kind of fits, yeah. You know, I don't know that science is trying to battle superstition. I feel that science has always been uh, just like there. And it's like, you're going to be superstitious, be superstitious, but these are the facts. So when you guys are ready to be reasonable, we'll be here. That's how I feel. But I also firmly trust science and don't think it's a smug wanker in the way yeah. that, you know, uh, Rachel Maddow, you know, she, <laughs> wow, I'm taking a hard fucking turn here. Yeah, uh, to go to Rachel Maddow, who well, you really you know, despise. Rachel Maddow is very often, she's right. You know, she's got her facts. She's a smart person. She is mm-hmm. informed. But she's such a smug dick about it, you know? I don't think See, science is, is being a smug dick right. about it. Smug. She wasn't, right, she wasn't well, right about the Russian thing. It's true. She was not right about the Russian thing. But she's... Yeah, yeah you know what? Let's just get off Rachel I, I, I have a hard time defending right. Rachel Maddow, because... Speaking of whatever Rachel Maddow, she's, she's not, got a no, great actually, haircut though. This is not even speaking. Wish my of Rachel hair would Maddow, do what One does. of the things, one of the things I think, and let's see if you can find a modern parallel of this or not. Really, I'm gonna try and find a way to work the, Rachel Maddow into this. Yeah, the Roaring Twenties had young women, specifically young women, really embracing their sexualized objectification mm-hmm. in ways. I mean, the super short skirts and the flapper thing and the low cut dresses. I mean that you know we kind of see that and we don't we don't think anything of it because we grew up with HBO. However, <laughs> you know, prior to that, I mean you couldn't wear a dress that wasn't, you know, that was wasn't right at your ankle kind of yeah. thing. And so there was this sort of 
it, they embrace this sexual sexualization. And so do you see a modern parallel to that? No, I, I, it's, it's been a, a rocket ship, rightfully so, I think, uh, since that moment. It's always, we've, we've been uh, evolving steadily new, ever since. You don't see there's any new development? No, not, not that it's as uh, jarring or sudden as the, the flapper thing seemed. See, that, see, I actually, this is what I, I think OnlyFans is jarring. It came out of nowhere. Okay, that's fair, but here's my question literally to you. is young women, uh, they, they are, now granted, they're taking control of it, but so are the flappers. But they are selling their sexual object, objectification, and some of them are making millions of dollars. Yeah, that here's the seems, thing though, Don, I don't okay, know what yeah, OnlyFans is. I, don't, I honestly don't know what it is. I know it's a porno right. thing. I've written. <laughs> well, see, it. the thing is, that's the thing is, it's actually not a porno. Okay, thing. then I don't know fuck all about. I've read, I've read only a couple fans. articles just because I. Anytime I see somebody with virtually no ability to do anything saleable at all, uh, making millions of dollars in their home, I'm like, all right, how something's the fuck not did that right. Yeah, how, how do I do that? You just described me, so how do I do it? Right. But, you know, and so I've read about it. Well, the thing about it is basically OnlyFans is like Patreon it's a, or Substack. It's a subscribers-only thing. It's all pretty much, I think it's all visual. I think there's a way to chat and, and direct message, but I don't actually know. No, I do. That's true. They can direct message because basically, for the most part, it's women Filming themselves, uh, taking pictures, naked pictures of themselves, sexy pictures of themselves, masturbating in front of the camera, and the more adventurous will sell. Like so, it's like you're going to subscribe for you know ten bucks a month, and then once in a while, if you DM, they'll say, "Oh, well, you know, you can DM me and tell me you want me to stuff this box of cocoa pebbles up my ass," <laughs> and for you. For $150, I will film myself stuffing a box of Cocoa Pebbles up my ass, and I will send it directly to you, and you will pay me the money. And that's what OnlyFans is. And I think that, like I said, in terms of trying to find parallels with the Roaring Trunnings, I went, okay, that's actually a pretty, because that's actually really burst forth uh, with yeah. the pandemic. But it, I think it was that, around for a couple of years, but now it's like, it's huge. But I think to my point, it's... When Newsweek before, writes about it, it's big. Yeah. Uh <laughs> <laughs> that this is the natural progression. I, I think the flappers, I feel, you know, and I, 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 I wasn't there in, you know, 1921, but, but you've seen Baz or, or what's his name? Uh, well, I mean, I had Baz a Lerman. I had you a, saw the great Gatsby. I had a grandmother who was born in 1924. That counts, right? Was she a flapper? Well, she, she was, was a really young. She was a no. baby, so probably. So, no, she's probably she's not a flapper. young women. She was, she was living in a Hooverville because she didn't come of age until the Depression hit. Oh, she was not living in a Hooverville. No, no, no. Oh, <laughs> her blood so was maybe, too blue for that. No, I don't fucking. Perhaps, I don't. <laughs> perhaps in the in the in the is this the Roaring Twenties? You're definitely going to experience the Roaring Twenties. <laughs> I, on the other hand, am not going to be experiencing any of the Roaring Twenties. I'm going to be experiencing all the bad shit. <laughs> No, I. But what I was saying is that you know it's the natural progression. It's we we've had, we've had cam girls. Cam girls was a thing twenty years ago. You know that's what's that's what started this. You know the internet. Was it twenty years ago, really? Yeah, I mean it was because when I was st first started working in radio about twenty one, twenty two years ago, um, 
cam girls was a huge thing because I worked with disc jockeys who would be late at night. They're like, hey, check out this girl. She's on the camera doing stuff with her boobs. <laughs> well, that's what, yeah, but now you it's know? OnlyFans, but they're charging serious yeah. money, yeah. So I think this, right. this is OnlyFans' natural progression. All right. Here's also, the thing I think is... It, also, oh, when you were explaining OnlyFans to me, and thank you for doing so, the whole time I'm thinking, what can I? What can Katie and I do to tap into this market? Because she's talking mm. about She's like, I should do stuff. Like, iron while I'm naked. And I go, yeah, but you don't iron. You know... We'll you find something no, else for you to do. From what I understand, you don't have to do anything. Well, that's just it. But I'm just thinking of like, what can we do like that makes it really exciting? Like, where's Katie gonna dangerously be naked this this week? And she's like, on the L tracks, the train is coming. You know, dude, people. That's will what I'm pay thinking of. Five dollars a month for you just to take pictures of your wife's feet. Yeah, but I'll go that's ten it. bucks a month, and we'll take pictures of her feet naked while she's about to get run over by a, the blue line. All right, so you just want to have then, some theatricality to it. Yeah. You want to be creative. You yeah. want to be creative. You don't want to go the basic, here's my cooter. No. And here's my cooter in a, a number two pencil. Ooh. Here's my cooter my cooter in a number three pencil. You ever see one of those? Whoa. Nope. I've never seen a number three but pencil. But it's happening here for our OnlyFans, katiehimmel.com. <laughs> uh, but then you said, you said stuff a box of Cocoa Pebbles up it my just butt. just popped into my head. And I'm wondering what kind of cereal you have in your house right now. Whatever Dana's found. <laughs> Has she found a box of Cocoa Pebbles? <laughs> no, we don't have Cocoa Pe- Pebbles, but uh, that's the thing is I, I don't eat that much cereal, and so we don't buy cereal very often. Um, you just she find finds cereal. It. Yeah. She finds she finds boxes of cereal. And, or, or, or Adorable trash panda. Us, you know, so... Uh, yeah, your I neighbor mean, yeah. gives you cereal? We've got a we've got a Beverly lives next door. She's older, so she ends okay. up getting this whole fucking like Meals on Wheels goddamn like senior. You're too old to live. Here's a whole bunch of fucking groceries. Yeah, go nuts. Except they don't. Yeah. Except they. And you know, and I get it. I understand it. It is a it is a kind and generous gesture for a, for a nonprofit to give free food to elderly people. Yeah, it would be. I think uh, one step closer to being truly altruistic if they bothered to look at the dietary restrictions of said senior. <laughs> and so pretty much everything that Beverly can't eat, she gives to us. And so she was like, I can't, I can't put this box I of Cocoa Pebbles at my butt anymore. You guys can have it. We don't have Cocoa Pebbles in our house. We have never had Cocoa Pebbles. Is Dana we've home right now? Raisin, we've got some raisin brand. Is Dana home? Yeah. She is home right now. Yeah, she's in the bedroom watching uh, okay. Children of God. She's been reading Cormac McCarthy and realized. Oh, yeah. She realized after reading All the Pretty Horses, <laughs> oh, fuck. He really is just wallowing in the sorrow and suffering of humanity. That's uh-huh. really what he does. Yeah. And he does it with all his books. And she was like, she was, she, she was into it. And all of a sudden she got to like the last third and it was just like, she was just like pulling teeth to get through this book. She's like, God damn, it's the longest fucking coda. Ah, I ah. can't so, get through McCarthy. He's... Hard. I love him. I, I love just, him, ugh. but uh, but I you understand like the hard, thing is you like hard reading. You like to torture. I do yourself like hard reading. I like. I do like. Word. I don't think it's a torture. That's well. See, it was funny. We were talking about this, like because one of the things, and you know, Danny knows this. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but the first like big book I ever read when I was a kid, because I, I, you know, I learned to read reading comic books. I do know but you learned first, to read. Oh, yeah, right. But yes, the, <laughs> but the but, the, but the, the big book I read, I read Moby Dick in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. Now the thing about it was, the one thing my mom had bought me was a uh, this uh, orange. It was orange. It was an orange cover Merriam-Webster dictionary. Mm-hmm. So in order to read Moby Dick, I mean, like every page, I'm flipping through the fucking dictionary, learning words as I'm going. Yeah. 
Well, there were some books as I got a little bit older, sort of like that fifth grade to probably eighth grade period, that if they were easy, that was we were talking about Hemingway because we watched the the Hemingway right. documentary, right. and that was one of the things is I wasn't that into Hemingway, especially Old Man of the Sea because I read Old Man of the Sea probably in sixth grade. But when I read it, it wasn't as much fun for me because it's a really easy book to read. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's super, super simple. So I didn't have to look any fucking words up. So it wasn't as much fun for me because that was sort of my my thing. So yes, I, I, maybe I have trained myself to like lots of visuals and really hard vocabulary. And those are the things that uh, maybe that's why I love David Foster Wallace so yeah. much. Yeah. Because it's like walking through a maze of the most pretentious asshole alive. But I love that stuff. Yeah. So yeah, what other parallels can we find? Um, well, those were the parallels. Those were literally. I mean, it's not like I did a, a deep research. I actually have a job. So oh, I um, just thought of something. Bring it. Okay, the Titanic. Well, shit, no, the Titanic that was nineteen fourteen. Well, nineteen. It was nineteen twelve. Or nineteen twelve. Yeah. Yep, that can count. Okay, but let's just say I'm going to finish this just so you can see the connection, if it is a connection, because this is what my. This is what my brain. This is how I think I'm going to crack time travels. Yeah, I'm just going to stumble Titanic upon. Was the, Titanic was the giantest, most fat fucking ship ever, and it hit a, an iceberg. And Donald Trump was the biggest, fattest president ever. Oh, well, I was going to. I was going to talk about the Boeing 737. Oh, they wow, keep falling okay. out of the sky, right? Like they, they do. they've built like and, and eh, I'm 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 reaching. But that's yeah. how it happens. Like that's how you stumble upon time travel. Is you reach, then you slip and fall off of your toilet. And you bump your head, and that's where you come up with the time, the flux capacitor, which makes time travel possible. Yeah. I delivered that the way that Marty McFly... So the question is, okay, so I think there's probably some... I think there's probably some evidence that maybe we're entering... There are two things I want to throw out. The big thing... Okay, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Because you're saying like everything's a progression. One of the things, and I, and this is this is beyond just the study of, you know, I mean, looking up cursorily some of this stuff. This is sort of like all the history I've read. <laughs> the the that deep kind of, study of Wikipedia, nineteen twenty century. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, this is this is a bit more. This is a bit right. more. But one of the things that's pretty interesting <laughs> is uh, one of the things that came about from the Roaring Twenties, the things that that uh, that were resultant in the following decade. You had, obviously, the easy one is it led to the Great Depression. We overspent mm-hmm. ourselves, we overleveraged ourselves, and it crashed the economy. I've been living um, through a Great Depression for 42 we had, years. We also had a worldwide, and not just Nazi Germany, but a worldwide rise, because it was before the Nazis, a worldwide rise of fascism, mm-hmm. a worldwide rise of anti-Semitism. Again, mm-hmm. not just Germany, it was everywhere, yeah, yeah. right? Yep. And yep. and in specifically in the United States, the the 30s was when most of the Jim Crow laws that became so uh, the so the 20s or the 30s in the 30s in the 30s okay that's what that's when they came and so yeah. you, arguably you could say that a lot of those things have come to pass. I mean, they came to pass in the 30s. That was resulting. Now, here's the thing I think is interesting because I it was like, oh, is this the Roaring 20s, and do we want it to be? And the question becomes one of the things is pretty specific is that history is, you can call it a pendulum if you want to, or you can call it cyclical if you want to, you know, or you can call it a cause and effect. It's always the same. And mm-hmm. it, 
This has been consistent, not just the United States. This has been consistent across every uh, democratized civilization uh, that we have, is that you hit periods of great freedom and and a younger generation uh, pushing the, the cultural mores further and further left, um, more freedom, more sex, more drugs, more rock and roll, so to speak, the jazz age. Every single time it is met with um, a rise in authoritarianism as a response. Mm-hmm. And... So one of the things that I think is uh, like fascinating is like if you look at if you look at if you look at the '60s, the '60s was a time where and not and that's the thing is if you look at the '60s, the hippie class and the anti-war protesters were really a pretty small segment. I mean, in terms of like just sheer numbers in the country, it was not a majority by any close, not even close. It wasn't even you know ten percent, yeah. but they were so they they were very noticeable. And they were free love and free drugs and I'm not going to war and you can't tell me what to do. And the 70s was the sexual revolution, revolution, the push for the Equal Rights Amendment. Roe v. Wade was made a constitutional, you know, created a constitutional guarantee. Mm-hmm. And the result, the, 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 the result or the effect of that was the Ronald Reagan revolution, which was right. all authoritarian. Right. So my question becomes, if this in fact is the Roaring Twenties, and we do have this great rise in freedoms, and uh, our, our progressive allies in in Congress actually do enact things. We get some things like real, genuine police reform and gun control and uh, climate change uh, science, New Green Deal. If we get a lot, if we get free college, if we get a fifteen dollar minimum wage, the question becomes. What's the next Trump going to look like? Because he's just right around the corner. That seems to be our trajectory. So do you not think that Trump was the authoritarian answer? And we we beat it down or are, he was the are authoritarian, beating it down or trying to? He was the authoritarian answer to Obama. He was the authoritarian answer to Obamacare, to mm-hmm. our, our loosening of, uh, although there, there's, I mean, the facts on the, on the ground are that Obama was every bit as strict on immigration as Trump was, but right. in fact, Trump was less strict than Obama was. But, right. you know, there there is the argument that, yeah. uh, I mean, there's the argument can be made that a black man in the White House pushed pushed that, that authoritarian trajectory a little bit further, a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. But I think there's somebody much, much worse than Trump. <laughs> much more that can happen, which is worse. Because well, that's what I say. Smart, smarter, right, and well-read yeah. is you know basically it's like uh, give a toddler a knife and he's going to do some damage. But give you know give a ninja a, mani- a knife, a yeah. mani- yeah, a maniac, a maniac adult a fucking yeah. knife. He can do a whole lot more damage and a lot right. more strategically. So that you know that that's that's the question that we have to take a look at. I mean, I, I the thing that gets me is I. What I'm most concerned with is the this the, our weird relationship with the economy right now. Uh, you know, going back to your point about the the consumer, the burst of consumerism, and just mm-hmm. gimme, 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 grab some shit. The the bur- of consumer goods. Uh, you know, I know I like this last year. I've been like itching to spend money, so I've been you know I'll like I'll buy more shirts. You know, like I'll buy a shirt here more frequently than I have ever bought new clothes ever. Yeah, but 
but I'm also throwing one out or, you know, donating any, donating it. So I'm putting it in the donation pile. So I guess it's not, I'm not just like hoarding shit, but still like, I don't need to buy a new fucking shirt, but I need to do something like, like I'm doing something that is new and engaging. And I think that once things open up again, mm-hmm. you know, that will. March was the biggest retail month um, in this country. It's the biggest retail month in this country for two years. Like we're gonna go fucking nuts. We're gonna have. Mm-hmm. We're gonna be fucking. We're gonna be sucking. We're gonna be drinking. We're gonna be smoking. We're gonna be crowding. We're gonna be I'm just, whatever we can do to make up for this lost time. And it's gonna get fucking insane. Apparently, we're not. Apparently, we're not gonna be fucking. I just if you look at if you look at some of the the Pew studies that are coming out and that kind of stuff. We want to, but we won't. Well, I, I don't know, man. I mean, we'll All right, well, see, here's, but uh, I think that we're gonna no, burst, I, I, and I really we're gonna don't. go too hard, and we're gonna freak the whole system that we've here's, created out, and we're gonna then we're gonna crash. Right. It's gonna be we're gonna be on a coke high. I just want to tell you about this because this I, I thought this high. was pretty. I thought this was pretty interesting, um, and this is about a Pew study. Uh, I mean, this is a big like a nationwide study, right? The study which examined white liberals, moderates and conservatives, both male and female, found that conservatives were far less likely to be diagnosed with mental health issues than those who identified <laughs> as, and this isn't a partisan study, as either liberal or no, even yeah, very yeah. liberal. What's more, white women, white women suffered worst of all, white women ages 18 to 29 who identified as liberal were given a mental health diagnosis for medical and professionals at a rate of 56.3% as compared to 28.4% in moderates and 27% in conservatives. So maybe we're going to be having sex, but every time you have sex, it's going to be a loaded gun in the Me Too army. You just be careful because them chicks is crazy. I mean, that's what it said. That's what Jesus. the Pew said. I had to say it. I read that and I went, all right, first of all, it's Pew, so it's got to be somewhat credible. But what I, <laughs> I thought was funny is like, it's probably more likely that conservatives and moderates don't go to healthcare professionals as I often. I think that's what it is. That's probably what it is. But yeah. it's amazing that this Pew, and this was a Pew study, it's the actual study, well, yeah. doesn't, they don't They don't go to that conclusion, which seems pretty obvious to me. Basically, their conclusion is white liberal women from 18 to 29 are fucking nuts. And it's like, what? <laughs> okay. All I mean, right. That, that's, that's the fun of research is you can spin it to any way you want. That's where yeah. marketing yeah. people come in and PR people come in. But I, I think, I mean... To, to your point, <laughs> or to Pew's point a little bit, uh, I, I think as a culture, uh, we are quick to bruise and fast to recover. Mm-hmm. And that's because we were never all that bruised to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the whole like, oh, I'm offended, but I'm tough and I'm strong and I'll get through it. Well, yeah, it's really fucking easy because you weren't all that offended to begin with. There's also some men who are fucking nuts and some uh, in-betweeners I- that are fucking nuts. Amazingly, you were you were saying exactly what I say is that it doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman. Yeah, but Don, transgender, I, gay, lesbian, black, white. Okay, I just want to thank American, you for finally being inclusive. We're all basically here. the same, and there's some of us that are nuts. You can't leave room for assumption. You're gonna upset people. Well, you, you have know. to name everything, every fucking letter in the alphabet. Otherwise, okay. canceled. Well, I, you know, bra, Chad, cancel me. What did Can- you- I'm living in the desert. How much more canceled can I be? What did you... <laughs> you know? You were cast away. 
What did you I'm see? Fucking you were going to start, calling me, you gonna start calling me Chad. What was that thing you were telling me the other oh, day? <laughs> you you put out, I, that was the funniest fucking thing. You put up your, you, you were making a joke. You and Jarrett Keen and I were going back and forth as we do, uh, as we are wont to do an iMessage. And uh, somehow you put up, he said a joke. You said, you stole that joke. That's in my uh, my August Jackson bio. Oh, and you right. you posted right. You posted a link to your August Jackson corporate bio, and I popped it. I made the mistake of clicking it. And it's I my realized, own, it's my wife's OnlyFans page. Hey. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was, uh, and what I wrote, I got to find what I wrote because because uh, that was my gut reaction to it was your corporate presence invalidates every single wannabe punk street cred you ever thought you had. <laughs> I'm gonna start calling you Chad because that, my friends. Is exa- if you go to David Himmel, go to August Jackson online, go to David Himmel, you will see you will see a bad guy from a fucking John Hughes film. That's what you're gonna see. You're gonna see the rich bad guy kid. You're gonna see what with James Spader in fucking uh some oh. kind of wonderful. I don't know what he was in. It's funny you say that because th- I was just texting my brothers the other day. There's this kid that we grew up with who was a fucking douchebag then and I don't know what he's like now but he's an actor and all of his you know his, his Facebook page like he came across as like you know people you might know thing yeah, I was like yeah. oh what's this what's this kid up to and whatever so I clicked through his stuff and all of his profile pictures are his headshots because he's an actor and he looks the way that Johnny Lawrence <laughs> like like, take Johnny Lawrence at his most Johnny Lawrence's-ish, most Johnny yeah. Lawrence-ish, and then multiply Sweep that. The leg. Multiply that blonde hair, like, chiseled douchebag face. Multiply it by a thousand, and that's this guy. Like, he looks See, this thing, like every I, I fucking bad guy in every 80s there, film. There, there are plenty of things with the Black Lives Matter movement that I have uh, issue with. One thing I do not have issue with, if we can effectively get rid of like chiseled white guys with blonde hair. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a problem with it. Keep Johnny Lawrence. Yeah. Well, keep Johnny Lawrence and, and Charlie he's trying. Hunnam. He's and I want to keep Charlie Hunnam because Dana's got a crush on Charlie Hunnam and I think he's super cool. So who's Charlie Hunnam? Are you fucking kidding me? Sons of Anarchy. Oh yeah. Yeah. You got to keep him. Yeah. You got to. Yeah. He was in the gentleman. He was great in the gentleman. I never saw with the gentleman. future with yeah with the future governor of Texas, Ted Cruz. No, Max uh, Ma- Matthew McConaughey. He's he's gonna run. He's gonna run for no, governor of Texas. No, he's not. He most certainly is too. He is. Look oh, it up. God. Here's a funny thing. Look it up. Uh, not related to anything at all, but just a fun fact. Matthew McConaughey, Katie, like sh- he makes her skin crawl off of her body separate and go to the pole the the opposing wow. poles of the of, of the globe she hates him so much his whole presence everything uh glory days or not glory days uh fast times rich what the fuck was he in uh, what's the one dazed and confused Thank you. grow Jesus. up it's one of the greatest movies i ever know made. i know i know uh that's my childhood on screen right there back to glory days and confused richmond high yeah Everything, even in like a time to kill when he's not even playing the Matthew McConaughey character, fucking hates him. My mom the other day was telling me, I really like him. Like, my mom is like into Matthew McConaughey. Like, the two polar opposites of, of 
main women in my life. Matthew McConaughey is like a, like a focal point. What, are they, what, what do they think of Danny Terrio? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Katie has any feelings on Danny Terrio whatsoever. I don't know that my Why? mom... I don't know. I'll have to ask my mom what she thinks about Danny Terrio. <laughs> so here's what you do. Here's what you do. Or Adrian's bed. How do they feel about Adrian's bed? Here's what I want you to oh, do. I want this fucking guy. I want you to sit them in a room and just say, "Hey, I've got a surprise movie," and show them Grease too, and see who gets mad and breaks the television. Yeah, no, that's that's a good one. But they'd be mad. At, my mom would be mad over. I think Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> like just she didn't like Michelle Pfeiffer. No, she does. But the fact that Michelle, Pfeiffer, although Michelle Pfeiffer kind of carried that film. Yeah, well, she's the only reason to watch that film, yeah. even though she to this day has said in the recent re- that uh, interview she did in Vanity Fair, she was her Esquire, whatever it was. Yeah. She was like, yeah, yeah, I was young. That, I'm embarrassed that I did that. <laughs> Adrian's a med. This fucking guy. I was on a cruise uh, with an old ex-girlfriend, and Adrian's a med was like the headliner entertainment on the cruise. And this was Princess Cruise. This was like one of the high-end Princess Cruises. Her parents... Had helped had helped cover like this huge. What does like, Adrian Zemed do as a solo act? Yes, exactly. So I see him. You know, it's like Adrian Zemed, and I'm seeing all like the posters. I'm like, I know that name. I know that face. Who the fuck is this guy? And I figured it out. Oh, T.J. Hooker, uh, mm-hmm. the Grease Two. Yeah. Okay. What the fuck is this gonna be? So we go to watch it, and he's it's, and I'm I'm trying so hard like not to make fun of him because it's punching down. It, to make fun oh. of Adrian Zemed is punching down. No, Ugh, come on, he was really so good looking. Hard. He was he was in a he was in a television show with William Shatner. He was with the Shat, so that's not punching down. He was in a television show with Heather Locklear. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Done. So you can punch, punch him. Go. What did he do? He's. <laughs> it was just like an Adrian Zemed does, <clears throat> like the cabaret thing. Like he's singing and he's dancing. And he's joking, and it's when it was so, it was so bad. Like he's like rat packy, hacky. Like it. Oh Don, no. It was. It was. So, I would give a million dollars oh, to see that. That's my roaring twenties, right I there. I can't remember if it was the middle, like, during a costume change or some shit, or if it was the opening. But there was a, like a highlights video of him, you know, jumping over the fence at the beginning of TJ. <laughs> It was just, and I don't know if this is funny for anybody else as I'm telling this story, but oh my God, because like once I made the connection, it was just like so pitiful and hopeful and sweet and pathetic and awkward. And it's then almost like you're an still rooting skit. for him. Yeah. It would have been, yeah. Like if, I think the well, movie. Well, you knew that was Rudy, one of the last. Like that was the, one of the, the underdog last... of Rudy. Fuck that shit. I want to root for Adrian Zemed. Like that's an underdog trying well, see, the, so the, hard. That was, that was one of the last bits that Kaufman did before he died or disappeared. Right. Whatever you want to believe. <laughs> right. Was the guy? The guy? I can't remember his name is, but the guy that played Tony in uh, uh, West Side Story. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't do his own singing, right? He didn't do his own singing, and so it's... Jimmy Stewart did the did the the songs on that in that movie. Sure, whatever. Um, but uh, what was so funny was that Ma- Kaufman Ma- guy, Maria. Yeah, he gets this guy. Oh my right. god, he gets know. this guy and he puts him in a nightclub <laughs> and makes him and makes him sing. Yeah, for the nightclub and then heckles him from the audience. Uh-huh. It's like that's I love that shit. I love that shit. Anyway, all right. Well, I hope it's. I hope you know. I don't want it to be the Roaring Twenties, but I'd like it to I be. I don't either. 
I better think than the pandemic twenties. We're you know? gonna. We're just. If it's the we're. I. I just feel that we are ready to snort a gigantic pile of cocaine through our huge Gatsby party and crash and find ourselves floating in our own fucking pool of piss. So it's like the eighties again. Well, fucking a, I fit right in. There you go. You and Adrian Zamed. All right, Simeon cohort, here's Don and David with the six things you should do for the week. My first thing this week is a listen. Uh, came across this Chicago band called Rat Boys on Bandcamp this week. Uh, okay. Give a listen to them. Check them out. They've got a new album that came out earlier this month, April. Uh, it's called Happy Birthday Rat Boy, and they're on Bandcamp. Uh, my first thing is a read. Um, it's uh, in the New York Times. It's by David Marchese. It is an interview with Adam McKay, who directed The Big Short and Ch- uh, uh, Dick, um, uh, <laughs> collaborated with Anchorman and Step Brothers. But anyway, Adam McKay mm-hmm. on how to be political and entertaining and not destroy the world. And it is actually, I mean, I knew Adam back in Chicago, and he's uh, and 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 this is a really it's a really thoughtful interview. It's a good interview. It's totally worth reading. I love Adam McKay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's my number one thing. All right. My number two is a watch, uh, a television program on the Hulu streaming platform. I'm late to the game on this, but I don't feel left out. Solar Opposites. This is a what? great animated show. This is from the same oh, okay. guys that did uh, uh, Rick and Morty. That's right. I have it, read about this, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. It has the same same really quick cadence. These, It's an alien family. Same, very similar tone to Rick and Morty. Uh, very funny, very weird. Uh, a lot of fun. Solar Opposites All right. on Hulu. Very good. Solar Opposites. My number two is also a read. It is in CNN Travel. Um, it is written by Tamara Hardingham Gill. And you're going to love this shit. I just kind of went down a rabbit hole, like, what's the weirdest shit I can find? The Welshman, this is, the, this is the title, The Welshman Who Mailed Himself Home from Australia in a Box. It's 50 years ago. Guy can't, he's living in Australia, does, doesn't want to live in Australia, wants to go back home to, to uh, London, you know, mm-hmm. and back to the, and can't afford a fucking flight. So he buys a goddamn 30 inch by 36 inch crate, <laughs> puts like a, Seriously, you're going to read this article. He gets like a bottle of water, a piss bottle. Uh, they call it a torch, but it's a flashlight. Yeah. A little bit of food. And in his mind, he's thinking it, that they ship a crate in the same speed that they ship a human. Right. That's not how it works. No. He's in this fucking box, like eating his own ass for five fucking days before they find him. <laughs> Is he, he dead? Obviously, no, he lived to tell the tale. He's now in his 70s, and he and and it, now that he's retired, he's like, all right, I'm going to write a book about this. So he is, this this is an article that sort of tells you the story, but it's a setup and sort of a puff piece to, to promote the book that he's writing. It would be great the if one Welshman, of the chapters is, is how he uh, wound up next to the Ark of the Covenant. For like yeah, a day. Right? <laughs> I spent a day next to the Ark of the Covenant. No shit. And I read this and I thought, all right, this this is just too fucking weird to be true, but it's it's, it's true, funny. and I liked it. And where do you find that? It's on CNN. It is in CNN. Yes, yeah, okay. so you can find it on the CNN website. They've got uh, they've got it in there. Awesome. Uh, so my third thing to do this week, um, 
it's been a hard last week was a hard week with all the with the police shootings and the uh, trial of um, Chauvin. Pig, yeah. pig pig Derek Chauvin. Um, if you see a police officer on the street, stop and thank them for their efforts. Thank them for their commitment to serving and protecting the communities that they're in. I think they really need it. I think they do. Nah, I'm fucking kidding. Fuck those guys. My third thing to do this week is, of course, watch the the series finale of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Fuck the police. If it was it the finale today? No, next week. Next week is the, yeah. okay. Because I haven't watched. Uh, Ooh. I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch it tonight. It's All right. Just, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So my third thing is it's also a read. It is in the Atavist magazine, A-T-A-V-I-S-T, Atavist magazines by Lindsay Jones. It's called The Lives of Others. You ready for this? <laughs> Here's two women gave birth on the same day in a place called Come By Chance. They didn't know each other and never would. Half a century <laughs> later, their children made a shocking discovery. They were switched at fucking birth. They they lived in a place called no come no, by they, chance no they they went they gave birth there was a it was called come by chance c o m e come by chance was sort of like a, a midwifery kind of place right okay and these two women they didn't know each other they never met <laughs> but fucking forty five fifty years later the two women that are their children who live in the same fucking town that have never met each other do DNA tests and realize that they are not their mother's child and start, both of them at the same time, start trying to figure out where, and then they meet and realize that the two of them were switched at fucking birth. And now the, they're going back and, you know, back to the, the history 50 years later to see, well, who else got switched? Weird. Fucking bizarre shit. Just bizarre shit. I read bizarre shit, and so I want you to read bizarre shit as well. Because the phrase "come by chance" that just sounds like I, Matt Matt Gates's defense when it, it comes out that he like you know impregnated a sixteen year old girl. He's like, I don't know, I just I came by chance. I don't know. You can listen to the Literate Ape Cast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast. Jones, if you enjoy listening to two white guys holding court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com.